everybody, and welcome on into Crashing the Boards. Uh, thank you for everyone who listened last week to our first edition of The Crossover, where we did a combined edition of men's and women's basketball. We are back this week. I'm Zach Wingrove, joined by Matt McHugh. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Zach. This is going to be a fun episode. We have a lot of basketball to a talk about. A lot of basketball to talk about this past weekend. Northwestern played, what was it, four games in five days? It's a lot. A lot, and uh, a decent showing from the Cats, I would say. Uh, maybe some games didn't go the way they wanted. We'll jump right into that, but... Uh, yeah, starting with, first off on Wednesday, Santa Clara, a 57-47 win for the Cats at historic Beardsley Gym. Matt, what were your impressions of this one? So this is a good win, obviously, for the Cats. They saw Santa Clara last year. That was a road game, uh, so a bit tougher environment there. there. Right? Yes, I was there for that one. That was over winter break. Uh, and Santa Clara, they're, they're, a, they're a decent program. They were middle of the pack last year. They're still trying to get their footing this year. But last year, you know, that's in all of college basketball, you got a middle-of-the-pack team. It's always tough to play on the road. Joe McEwen will tell you that every time. So they battled last year. They came out on top after a big second half. This year looked a little bit more comfortable just because Santa Clara really couldn't get their shots going all game long. They shot 27% from the field, 23% from deep. And we can talk about this Northwestern defense a lot, but this is a consistent theme for Northwestern. Their opponents are shooting really low percentages all year long in every game. Yeah, we'll get into Northwestern's defense, certainly, uh, just throughout this entire podcast. It's been a great showing from them so far. And on the offensive end, 40% from the field for the Cats, but really strong play from their first-year guard, Lindsey Pulliam. Again, we're seeing her ability to jump right into the offense, even as a first-year, and really not skip a beat. 6 of 10 from the field, 16 points for Pulliam. She's just fearless out there on uh, on offense, not afraid to take the big shots, and uh She's been really big for the Cats' offense so far, Matt. I love what she's brought to this team. And we were going, we talked about this team before the season saying, look, they're losing a lot of scoring, losing a lot of senior leadership. Someone's going to have to step up. Someone's going to have to get some buckets for this team. You need someone with that identity of a scorer, someone who is not afraid to put up double-digit shots game in, game out. And that is Lindsey Pulliam. She's so confident in her game, even though this is her first year in college basketball. You wouldn't know it by watching her and the way she plays. Yeah, some, she's going to have some off nights. It happens to everyone, but this one against Santa Clara was not one of those. She was on. Six for ten from the field, <laughs> one for two from deep, 16 points. Great game for Lindsay. Fourteen of those points were in the first half for Pulliam. She had 14 of the Cats' 29 points, five of five from the field. Just right out of the gate, she was firing. And you love to see that for, for Northwestern. Maybe... You know, it might be more encouraging if she can carry that over in the second half in future games, but to be able to jump right out, not miss a shot the first half, and help Northwestern jump out to a 12-point lead in that, that first half is uh, really big. And then also, uh, we, we can talk all we want about Pulliam, but Abby Scheid has been probably the most consistent player for this Northwestern team, would you say, Matt, for the first two weeks of the season? Yeah, I think I think that's safe to say with Scheid. And her situation's really interesting because she was a pretty solid player last year coming off the bench, but... Again, there were a lot of experienced players in front of her. Now, she's looked at it as almost one of the leaders on this team, even though she's just a sophomore. Just remember how young this team is, and you get the production that you're getting from Pulliam and from Shide. And If Shide can do that on a night-in, night-out basis, and it looks like, at least through these first few games, that she's got a good chance to do that when conference play rolls around. Yeah, 14 points for Abby Scheid, and uh, right right underneath her, Palace Kunayakpana, another strong showing. Not quite what we saw from her against Oakland, but 10 points, 8 boards, nothing to, uh, no, nothing wrong with that for Palace. And yeah, just really playing more consistent, it feels like, for her. Um, the biggest thing for her is staying on the court. She had four personal fouls this game, um, but only, and only played 25 minutes because of that. But 
when she's on the court, it's tough to get a rebound against this Northwestern team. She's so dominant down low in the paint. Um, Palace is some, someone who I'm really excited to see kind of how she develops, especially once we jump into Big Ten play. I've been really impressed by what we've seen from her in, uh, so far in this non-conference stretch. Yeah, and that's been the story with Palace Kunayakpana for the first two years of his, her, her Northwestern career. Can she stay on the court because of the foul trouble? And she's shown a couple games this year that she can play 30-plus minutes, and she's got the energy to do it. It's not a fatigue question. It's just a question of the foul trouble. But, man, when she's out on the court, that is fun to watch. She is so active, the energy she brings. And I honestly think that's pretty contagious. When she's going up and getting those boards and she's playing with that aggressiveness and the, just the intensity that she brings, I think that kind of carries over to the rest of the team. Yeah, and moving right along, Jordan Hamilton this game, putting up really stuff in this stat sheet, nine points, nine assists, seven rebounds, triple-double watch yeah. for, the, for the first year. And, uh, yeah, she's someone who she's was on the court for 36 minutes as a first year, seeing that kind of production from her and Polian we've already talked about a lot. But really impressive to be able to see someone jump right in there, play such a key role in the offense. All of her boards were on defense, too, which is always big when you can have your, your point guard get those rebounds and start running the break, even though... We know Joe McEwen wants the team uh, this year to slow down the pace a little bit. It's always big to be able to to have your point guard be able to start the start the pace, get the ball on the um, get the ball, you know, on the defensive side. And nine assists for her. Great to see her spreading the ball around for the Cats. And this reminds me a little bit of kind of the beginning of Ashley Deary's career when she kind of got thrown into the fire right away as well in her freshman year, and she obviously goes on to be a four-year such a key contributing player, one of the best defensive players not only in the conference, but in the country, and just what she brought on both ends of the floor. And I'm starting to see some of that in Jordan Hamilton as well. And obviously, that's a high bar for Hamilton to get to, but the way she's playing right now, she's earning those 36 minutes a game that she's getting, like this game here today, uh, against Santa Clara. Yeah, only three steals for Hamilton this game, so it's got a ways to go to catch <laughs> Deary in that, but very encouraging to see uh, a guard in her first year be able to put up this kind of production. Um, any other final thoughts on this game, Matt? I see... Uh, Points off turnovers, Northwestern 16 to 9, so really converting there, keeping, uh, you know, being able to capitalize on opportunities is a big thing for uh, for this team this season. Uh, bench points 28 to 4, Santa Clara outscored the Cats. Is that something that you think uh, Northwestern should be concerned about as they kind of head down the road, getting well, this, some production? This kind of goes into what we were talking about earlier with Palace Kunayakpana and staying out of foul trouble is they're going to need someone else in that front court to step up. Now, there are a couple options. Oceana Hamilton, a more experienced one. Abby Wolf, obviously, with the high potential that she brings. And then Brianna Hopkins is starting to get worked into the rotation as well. So I think just one of those three really needs to pick up their game, get to that next level where you can be comfortable giving them 15 or so minutes a game and spelling Palace, getting her off the court when she might get into a foul trouble and I think it's just going to be a matter of one of those girls, one of those three, stepping up and giving some solid bench minutes. But otherwise, this is going to be my, maybe another issue. This is thinking a little further down the line, but something we talked about with the team two years ago and last year a little bit is if all the starters are playing 35-plus minutes, they run out of gas at the mm -hmm. end of games. But I'm not as worried about that because so many of them are so young and so athletic that they seem to be excited to be out on the court for 34 minutes. Yeah, and it's definitely exciting to watch them. Uh, moving ahead now, quick turnaround for, for Northwestern. They had to finish this game against Santa Clara, board a plane almost right away to head to Nashville for this Thanksgiving tournament, the Challenge in Music City. Um, that So they had Thanksgiving off that Friday. They played Chattanooga in Nashville and uh, didn't go quite the way the Cats wanted, dropping their first game of the season, 61-44 to Chattanooga. Um 
obviously this game, these games were hard to, to follow. Matt weren't televised, weren't uh, weren't a whole lot of coverage surrounding them. But we can we can certainly give our impressions just based on what we see from uh, from the stat sheet here. Another big day from Lindsey Pulliam had 16 total points, but looks like the the rest of the Northwestern team just kind of had trouble getting the lid off the basket uh, right off the get go. Kind of Chattanooga. Jumped on him, jumped out to a 15-point lead at the end of the first quarter, opened that up to a 19-point lead at halftime. Cats came coming back in the third quarter, uh, 10 outscored him 19-9 to to cut that lead to, to just nine points, but Chattanooga closed the door on any further uh, comeback efforts, outscoring Northwestern 16-7 to in the fourth quarter. So not the way the Cats would have wanted to start or end the game, but maybe some encouraging uh, stretch of play, especially being able to come out in that second half and trim the deficit. Yeah, I think that the third quarter was probably the best part. I made out what I could from the Chattanooga radio broadcast That's right. on this one. And yeah, that, that was the most exciting part as a Northwestern fan listening to that was that third quarter and the comeback effort they showed because they were starting to get buckets in a hurry. You were thinking, gosh, you're getting some good looks in that first half. They just need to get some of them to get going in. And that finally happened in that uh, kind of the last three or four minutes of the third quarter. They trimmed it down to, I think it was as low as 8 at one point. They got the deficit down to 8. Uh, but then I think they just ran out of gas by the end of the game. And Chattanooga played well, to their credit. They did have they played a solid game through and through. Uh, Northwestern just couldn't really get the shots to fall. and Their defense wasn't quite at that same intensity that we saw against Santa Clara. And that little gap there is going to give you the difference. And it's tough. Northwestern really hadn't played a game this year where they, they're normally the one jumping on teams to start. And then you, you see the other teams like, having this scrappy comeback effort in the second half. Northwestern in a role that maybe they weren't used to, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they handle that adversity moving forward um, should they fall behind in uh, some of these future games. I think it's encouraging, like you said, what we saw in the third quarter, but you just got to be able to have better starts. You can't be can't be only scoring seven points in the first quarter, and you can't be allowing 22 points on, on the other end. That's just, uh, you can't dig yourself those kind of holes coming in, and obviously Joe McEwen, I'm sure, would, would say the same if... Um, we were asking him, but encouraging to see Polium just continue. This was, I think, her fourth out of her first five games where she had double figures scoring. So she's going to be, uh, I mean, we, we can't say enough about her, how exciting she is and how how much fun she'll be to watch this season. So it's nice to see her put up those kind of numbers. But, yeah, you just have to uh, you have to limit the turnovers as well, 15 turnovers for Northwestern this game. But probably one that they'll want to forget, and they did a good job forgetting about that. Do you, do you have any final uh impressions on this Chattanooga game, Matt? The, the turnovers were the other thing that I wanted to mention there. The 15 turnovers compared to 15 field goals made is not exactly what they wanted to do in that department. I think that's something that they're going to battle with, uh, especially in the rest of non-conference play goes on, just because it's such a young team, so many new pieces kind of fitting together that turnovers are a natural product of that, and that's something they're going to have to work through. They're going to have to learn how to play to, but I guess a good transition into that is what they were able to do the next day, yeah, the next the next day against Auburn. Talk about you know the slow start. Northwestern certainly was not the case against Auburn as they jumped out to a fifteen to nine lead against Auburn. Got a little close there at the end, but some late game heroics from guard Jordan Hamilton, uh, a jumper with eleven seconds left in the game, proved to be the game winner. Uh, Northwestern's defense was locked down. They came up with a stop on the final defensive possession to come away with a 49-48 lead. This sounds like a, a real thriller, and uh, it would have been fun to be able to to have been able to watch, but. Very encouraging to see the way the Cats bounce back from that, that loss to Chattanooga. And 
especially a young guard like Jordan Hamilton coming through in a big way in that fourth quarter. Yeah, that was great to see from Hamilton. Just, again, the fearlessness that we talked about with Pulliam. Hamilton kind of taking on some of that as well. And she's such a multidimensional player. She does it on the defensive end. I think she's a big reason why the defense has been as strong as it's been to start this season. And she also has been relied on as the floor general, too, kind of running the offense in her first year, in her first just few games with the program. So that's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask from a freshman, but she seems to be up for it. And it's great to see that she has that confidence to, to take that last shot with the game on the line. Yeah, and Abby Scheib led the team in uh, in scoring with 14, 14 points on the day, four of six from behind the arc. So putting up some shots, uh, being able to spread the floor always a big key for, for Northwestern. And when you're that efficient from behind the three-point line, it's definitely an encouraging sign moving forward for her. Um, eight turnovers for Scheib, something that she'd probably, wanna, she'd probably like to clean up as we head into Big Ten play, but encouraging to see her be able to, as we mentioned, just be that consistent scoring presence that, as you mentioned, veteran presence for this team is only a sophomore. Really, um, really encouraging for Shide. Um, anything else that stood out from this game, Matt? Oh, well, what we were talking about earlier with trying to get production from the bigs off the bench, I think two different ones really stepped up big time here. Oceana Hamilton, 24 solid minutes, 7-7. Seven and seven. And then Rihanna Hopkins, I think a career game for her. Four points, 10 boards, 26 minutes. She didn't oh, see wow. much action last year, but, man, they called her earlier in this one. Again, Palos Kunai Akpana in foul trouble. Just 16 minutes for her, but both her and Hamilton got the call. They rolled with some bigger lineups. Joe McEwen said they were going to play slower this year and getting these players involved. And yeah, there's going to be some turnovers, but they're really holding Auburn down on defense. They shot just 31%. And then Northwestern rebounded really well, too. So you put those things together and you have a recipe for kind of grinding out a low scoring victory like this one against a really good team. It's definitely encouraging when you can get that kind of production. As we mentioned, Kunayak Pana is so valuable when she's on the floor, but she has been prone to foul trouble in the past. It's something that she's gotten better at this season, it seems like. But when she, it's going to happen in some of these games, and to be able to see them step up, as you mentioned, a career high in uh, rebounds for Hopkins. And, yeah, Northwestern's defense throughout this entire game was pretty locked down, held Auburn to just 32% shooting from the field, 4 of 18 from behind the arc. So uh, just great effort there on the Cats, and a big win, especially coming off of a uh, their first loss, to be able to bounce back like that against Auburn, um, uh, certainly a major accomplishment. And then their third game in three uh, in three consecutive days was Georgetown on Sunday. Um, a tough 55-54 loss in what sounded like a dramatic and somewhat controversial game here. I, I uh, As we mentioned, we weren't able to listen or watch it, but I do have a, uh, a story on the final minutes. We'll get into that. But, yeah, 55-54 loss for... Northwestern in pretty heartbreaking fashion, it sounded like, to Georgetown, Matt. Yeah, it did sound pretty disappointing at the end. Again, no media from this game, which made it very difficult to follow. But from what I could gather from the live stats as it happened, the comeback in the third quarter seemed pretty fun for Northwestern. They outscored Georgetown by 11 points, overcoming a pretty big halftime deficit. And that's kind of similar to what we are talking about with the Chattanooga game, except Northwestern in this one was just, just so close to coming all the way through with that and ending up with the victory so good to see the fight from the team there and it's so tough to play three games in three days three it's uh four games in five days it's yeah it's a lot to ask so a, you have players who are playing 35 38 minutes like Pulliam and Scheid and they've been out there doing that in every one of these games so they just you're asking a lot from those players and they really did give it their all and came oh so close to pulling this one out and we were talking about Kunayak Pana only two fouls uh this game, 14, 
14 rebounds, rebounds this yeah. game, 12 points, so a double-double for her. Um, only played 25 minutes despite the two fouls, but uh, definitely encouraging for her being able to see her stay out of foul trouble this game, especially since she struggled with that some of these previous games. Um, so a final recap on what happened here at the end. I, As you mentioned, we were not watching this game, but I, I have a story from someone who was watching, Karsten Parmenter, who was at the game. Northwestern was tied with Georgetown heading into the final sec or yeah Northwestern was tied with Georgetown heading into the final seconds thanks to a, a shot by I believe it was Jordan Hamilton hit a go-ahead shot to tie the game um need they need a they need a stop in order to send this game into overtime uh one of Georgetown's players drives in Hamilton slides in to take a uh, to take a charge and the refs blow a whistle they they don't call anything right away they deliberate on it and then they finally determined that it was a block. Now, what they saw, they were there was no replay, so they end up calling a block. There's no time left. The buzzer expired, so this call is essentially it's a tie game. Someone's going to go to the line to shoot free, two free throws. It's going to decide the game. And uh, they were very uncertain about this call, so the refs meet, then come to the conclusion that it was actually a foul on Lydia Rohde. They call a hand check, even though, from what I was told, she was not involved in this play at all. So they call a hand check on Lydia Rohde. They go to... Uh, and then, and then they put 0.5 seconds back onto the clock. She makes one of the free throws, tries to miss the second free throw intentionally, airballs it. Northwestern calls a timeout, gets to advance the ball, get it, draws up an incredible play, uh, a layup from Abby Shy that falls just short. So great effort by the Cats. Sounds like a pretty controversial ending to this game. It would have been exciting to see, but... Uh, Nevertheless, a great effort from the Cats, as you mentioned in that second half. Well, that is it is a wild ending against Georgetown for Northwestern. Bummed I couldn't watch it, but it, it's from what it sounds like a pretty heartbreaking way to end a trip to Nashville one and two, where just a couple things go differently in that stretch. Just one little tweak here or there, and then you're looking at two and one from your trip to Nashville. And I mean, again, three games in three days is tough, but Georgetown was playing that too, so that's no excuse for Northwestern. But Seeing the fight from them to come back in that game and make it interesting, that's a big step for Northwestern there. And, you know, you're going to build from that. It's a learning experience for a young team, and that's how you build mental toughness is going through a really tough loss like that. And we'll see if they come out on the other side even better and stronger. Yeah, and we talked about last week with when I was on this with Tim Hackett and Amit what Northwestern, what the ideal scenario would be for them in these four games. And we, we kind of agreed 2-2 two and two is what they should shoot for. It's... You mentioned not easy to play four games in five days, but being able to come away with two plus a really hard-fought battle against Georgetown and uh, being able to bounce back from that Chattanooga loss, I think something that the Cats should not be uh, not hold their heads um, on and something that you know Northwestern uh, should can definitely build upon moving forward. And they're going to have to with their next game coming up, a huge one coming up in Syracuse. We can get into that one right now. And that's tomorrow at the Carrier Dome, 6 p.m. Central Time tip-off. Syracuse now ranked number 25 in the country as part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And Zach, is it safe to say this is the biggest game for Northwestern this year up to this point? Oh, for sure. It's definitely the biggest game. A chance to, uh, as you mentioned, finally face a ranked team and see just uh, just what this Northwestern team is made of. It, it will be very exciting. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. Syracuse is 6-0 and to start this season. And, uh it, it will be a huge test for some of these younger players on this Northwestern team going in, going on the road and playing a ranked opponent. So far, Syracuse, uh, they've only played one other Big Ten team, Wisconsin. That was uh, last Thursday, a 77-74 win. So hanging tough, or Wisconsin hung tough with them, another Big Ten opponent. Um, 
And yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, Matt, who stands out to you on this Syracuse team that you think Northwestern will have to uh, to watch out for. Miranda Drummond is probably the biggest name for me. She's a transfer from St. Bonaventure. Sat out all last year, but she's coming. She started all six of those games. She's averaging 17 points per game right away to start the season. She's kind of a dynamic forward, can shoot the three ball, but also pretty aggressive on the glass with seven boards this year per game. So you got to watch out for her kind of on both ends of the floor is someone who's going to give Northwestern some matchup problems. To me, the most logical person to match up with her is Abby Scheid, but then you're asking a lot from Abby Scheid on the defensive end where mm-hmm. they rely on her, on her for her offense so much as well. Yeah, you got to worry about her then kind of how many minutes is she going to play and you have to put that much effort in? Are you going to get the production you want on offense? Another player I'm excited to see, Tiana Munga Kahia, uh, the ju- the sophomore point guard for Syracuse, was just named ACC Co-Player of the Week this past week. Only a 5'6 guard, but uh, she's been putting up numbers. 14 and a half points, uh, just almost 13 assists, and nearly four rebounds in these past four games for Syracuse, earned her that honor, and uh, set a new program record in, with 17 assists in uh, one of their most recent games against Vanderbilt. She sounds like a real threat, not only to score the ball, but a real distributor as well. And uh, yeah, five consecutive double-doubles in the, in the Orange's last five games. So it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be tough to. It's going to be interesting to see how they match up with her. You mentioned Jordan Hamilton has done a great job in the backcourt uh, defending so far for Northwestern. She's going to have her hands full with Munga Kahia, and I, I'm excited to see her what what she brings and how Northwestern kind of goes about tackling a threat like that. The other interesting thing to know for me, at least from Northwestern's perspective, coming in is will they change their approach defensively? Because Syracuse plays a different style on offense. They put them up mm-hmm. from deep. They've attempted 204 threes this season. That's sixth in the entire country. And granted, they don't shoot very well on them. They're 28% from behind the arc, and that's not great, but they just take so many threes. It's the modern NBA strategy that you just take enough threes. They're worth more. They'll go in. Uh, some of them will go in, and you see if Northwestern adjusts their defense from that slow grind it out to maybe they pick up the tempo a little bit to match Syracuse, or maybe you just let them shoot and hope that they have an off-shooting night, but that's pretty risky as well. So we'll see if Northwestern makes any adjustments there. I'm going to guess that they don't because they've been so good defensively so far. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. They're going to probably stick with what they've been doing, but I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't be. Yeah, the big thing will be holding them, I think, to you know, limiting second-chance opportunities, and that's really going to fall on the shoulders of Kunai Akpana. If she gets in foul trouble, then Oceana Hamilton, maybe Bree Hopkins, and just... You, you can't let them get more than one shot at it. If they're someone, if they're not a very efficient shooting team, you got to limit those opportunities that you're giving them, and so that's really going to fall on the shoulders of Northwestern's front court. And, yeah, as you mentioned, Northwestern's defense, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 54.3 points allowed so far, the best in the Big Ten for, Northwestern, um, for Northwestern's defense, and their opponents are only shooting 33% against them. So, you know, Syracuse, as you mentioned, hasn't been a very efficient shooting team. Northwestern opponents haven't been very efficient shooting against them. It will be uh, interesting to see how Northwestern goes about handling a, a fast-paced, very energetic Syracuse team. And this, yeah, to kind of tie it all off from what we talked about earlier, this is a huge opportunity for Northwestern against Syracuse here. There have been some questions about the program coming into this season just because of how much talent they lost. But if they want to put themselves on the map, a win at a ranked team right away in non-conference play, that is one very, very clear way to do that. So the Auburn win is great. I think that's if that's your best win in non-conference play, you feel pretty good from that. But a chance to even make that resume just somewhat stronger, 
with a game against Syracuse here. And something that the younger players, really nothing to lose in this game. You're going on the road to a ranked opponent. Just kind of let leave it all out on the floor and... Uh, they, they really have a, an opportunity, as you mentioned, to do something special. But I think that I, you hope that they'll play just fearless and, you know, nothing really to be worried about. It's not, some, not something that I think a lot of people are expecting them to win. So, you know, that I think if they can surprise them somehow or just put up a strong showing. It's, as you mentioned, the toughest game that they've played so far. If they can just hold tough, hang tough with this Oregon t- or Syracuse team, it will be uh, very encouraging moving forward. But certainly a great opportunity for, for Northwestern. And then moving on to their last game that we're going to talk about, this last game in their upcoming stretch. Because Sunday against Milwaukee coming to town this year. Remember how crazy that game was last year in Milwaukee, uh, Northwestern. Uh, winning by a handle, handily amount, uh, heading into the last minute. They were up eight with a minute seven to go. And then things got a little dicey. Milwaukee made a couple threes. They tied it up with 12 seconds left. Nia Coffey got to the line, knocked down a couple free throws. Milwaukee missed a couple layups at the buzzer for Northwestern to come out on top. So Milwaukee's a solid Horizon League team, but that game was probably a bit too close for comfort. Northwestern trying to win by a more comfortable margin this year at Beardsley Gymnasium. Yeah, someone to watch for Milwaukee, Steph Kostowitz. uh, She is leading the team in scoring for Milwaukee with uh, just over over double figures with, uh, or excuse me, Steph Kostowitz actually 17 points and then Alongside her, Jenny uh, Leidner, 16 points. So a real dynamic duo scoring there for the Panthers. Um, somewhat something that where if you you know you can't stop one another, might be able to step up um, for them. It will definitely be an interesting challenge for Northwestern to, to tackle. Kostowitz last year, 21 points in that loss to Northwestern, while uh, Lindner had just Lindner had 14. So something that Northwestern's seen before, albeit a lot of these players last year. We're either not on the team or not on the floor against the Panthers, but nevertheless, something where some of those older players like Shide, who, you know, just being able to scout that Milwaukee team, hopefully they they have an idea on how to uh, keep them in check. It will be um, a tough challenge for this Northwestern team. Yeah, and Milwaukee coming into this game at 3-2, and two, probably a bit more disappointing of a start than they would have wanted. A couple losses, one against Drake, one against Houston. So a couple games that Milwaukee maybe wants back those were are just kind of stinging on their resume as they still don't have a big win under their belt. Their three wins are against CSUN, Loyola, and Western Illinois. So obviously they're trying to improve their resume with a game against Northwestern, so expect them to be playing all out in this game. But as of now, nothing that Milwaukee has done really jumps off the page in terms of their resume coming into this one. No, this has got to be one of their bigger games, you would think, non-conference-wise. They play Wisconsin, they play Marquette. So some in-state rivalries there, but you know, always a big opportunity for one of the, for some of these Horizon League teams when they get to face a Big Ten team on the road to uh, to make a splash, and uh, you know that they'll be bringing everything they have. They're playing uh, two games in three days, so kind of quick turnaround for them. But uh, yeah, it'll, it will be a tough challenge for uh, for Milwaukee, but one that they'll definitely be ready for. So Northwestern will have to be ready for that as well. Yeah. So then we'll get move on to. Some rest of the Big Ten conversation at this point with Northwestern kind of feeling okay as they stack up to the rest of the conference, but I think it's kind of safe to say overall at this point in non-conference play, granted it's it's so early and we don't want to jump to any ridiculous conclusions, but has it felt like the, North, the Big Ten has been a little bit disappointing, at least to their standards of the last few years, just looking where they are now and 
kind of comparison to the other big conferences? Oh, definitely. Not not the showing the Big Ten would have wanted in this uh, Big Ten ACC challenge. You see, uh, today their only win coming Maryland uh, on the road at Virginia, just barely with a 60-59 win. Matt, you and I were watching that, and Maryland probably didn't deserve to win that game. Virginia got a pretty good look at the end there on an offensive rebound that fell just short, but one that had that shot gone in, Big Ten would still be winless in this Big Ten ACC challenge. Um, Or Wisconsin actually beat, Wisconsin beat Pitt. Despite despite scoring just five points in the fourth quarter, they did enough. And when when Wisconsin is the only thing the Big Ten has to write home about in women's basketball, definitely not the showing you would want. Um, So Maryland, uh, a big win there. The, the other, you know, one of the other premier teams in the Big Ten, Michigan, a tough loss to Notre Dame. Yeah. Number three team in the country. The tough matchup. Yeah, for not not the not an easy matchup, but still a twenty point loss. Probably not what you uh, what you're looking for. They got jumped on right away. Twenty four points in the first quarter for Notre Dame there. Um, one of the marquee matchups tomorrow um, will be Ohio State at Duke. Ohio State, the number eight team in the country, playing Duke, the number four team in the country, fourteen team in the country, and uh, that's one that you know the Ohio State's kind of going to be the pride of the Big Ten this year, Matt. Uh, would you say it's a must-win game just kind of for the conference and having a respectable showing in this tournament? I wouldn't say it's it's a must-win for this one, but yeah, it's it's going to look bad if the Big Ten comes out of this with only like two or three wins in the entire challenge. Ohio State's very clearly the top team in this conference. I don't think it's particularly close. Their only loss this year came against Louisville, who is a very, very good team, mm-hmm. beating Stanford, and that's that's very impressive so far. For Ohio State, they came in with high expectations, and so far they have lived up to those expectations. So, I think win or lose, they're still going to be looked at as the top team in the conference. But man, like, it'd be really nice if the conference could come out with three or four wins out of this group tomorrow. Northwestern, a decent chance to do that against Syracuse, maybe one of the better options for the Big Ten. Some tough matchups as well. Indiana's going to have their hands full with Louisville. Yep. Uh, that, At Assembly Hall, though, so some home court advantage there for the that's Hoosiers. True. Penn State gets Wake Forest. I think that's a really good chance for the Big Ten to pick up a win here because Penn State has played pretty well this year, especially at home. They haven't lost at the BJC yet. And Wake Forest coming in at 2-4. and four. So Penn State, led by Tania Page, it's, a, it's a kind of an interesting offense. And they, they're trying to make some noise, jump up to the top half of the conference. And if they want to be taken seriously, win this game at home, be one of the one of the key wins for the Big Ten in this challenge, and I think they have a good chance to do that. Yeah, Northwestern, Syracuse tips off at 6 p.m. Uh, Ohio State, Duke also tips off at 6 p.m., so maybe that's on ESPN2. Have your clicker ready to be going back and forth, obviously watching Northwestern first, but <laughs> during the commercials, you know, flip on that 8 versus 14 matchup. Uh, another matchup, Michigan State, Miami. Michigan State suffered their first loss of the season as they got to face the number one team in the country in UConn, and we saw just why they were number one, a 96-62 win for the Huskies. Uh, tough loss there for the Spartans, but Miami, four and two, just 4-2 and two this season. They suffered a loss to Maryland this past weekend, 79-71, so one of the better teams in the Big Ten in Maryland, and only an eight-point loss for Miami. It'll be, um, it'll be interesting to see how they stack up against Michigan State. Michigan State... Uh, some different, you know, not really what you're ex- what you've ex- would have expected for the production this year, but uh, you know, it's just seeing some different players step up each game. You haven't really seen that one consistent player like you would have thought, and uh, yeah, so that's another one that maybe that Big Ten could get a win out of um, with Michigan State. So it will certainly be a um, tough challenge <laughs> for the Big Ten. They, they haven't yeah. looked great so far, and 
men's and women's in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, yeah, it has not looked great for the, the conference in general uh, the last couple days, but one other team I do want to highlight, give them a quick shout-out, is Iowa. They suffered their first loss tonight, but they really hung in there against Florida State. They gave them a really good run. They lost by just one point. Um, and that's a team that they're going to be pretty good this year. They're already off to a strong start, but watch out for them by the time conference play rolls around. Megan Gustafson, 34 points wow. tonight, 9 rebounds. She's so good down low. and They finally got Davis back healthy at point guard. She tore ACL last year. It was a big loss for them as they went into the stretch run. So I think getting her back, Gustafson clearly, clearly on her game, if not and improved, which is a scary thought. So look out for Iowa by the time conference play rolls around. They're one of the best yeah. in this conference. 14 points for Davis tonight. Uh, yeah, and Gustafson, as we know, one of the top players in the conference. Two of the other top players in the conference, Kelsey Mitchell and Caitlin Flaherty, currently the top two leading scorers, not only in the Big Ten, but in all of college basketball, Matt. 27.8 points for Mitchell and 25.8 for Flaherty. So just putting up some ridiculous numbers so far. Do you think that will carry over into the Big Ten once they start facing uh, some more consistent competition? Maybe not necessarily better, but just on a nightly basis. They haven't seen the stifling Northwestern defense that's yet. True. So that's going to be a big adjustment by the time they see uh, Jordan Hamilton and the Northwestern defense, which has been locked down so far. But until that happens, I don't see any reason why not, because they showed last year that they're two of the top scorers in the conference, and I mean, they're going to score 20-plus points per game. Right now, it's a little bit higher than that, and, I mean, it's a logical jump for them to make at this point in their career. So I see no reason why it won't continue. I think they'll, so they're will they going to finish the year scoring well over 20 points per game. Just at the pace that Ohio State in particular plays, they mm -hmm. are up there in scoring offense, second in the entire country in scoring offense, 95 points per game, I think it is. It's kind of ridiculous for Ohio State. They just... Go so fast. Kelsey Mitchell, a big part of that. So it makes sense that she would put up the scoring numbers that she's been putting up. So do you have Mitchell, Flaherty, is Gustafson slide in at number three there? If we're just talking about some of the top talent in this Big Ooh. Ten, Gustafson three or uh, some, of the, some of the other players? Gustafson's definitely put herself in the conversation. I'm going to take one of uh, Kelsey Mitchell's teammates. I'm going to say Stephanie Mavunga is also in that conversation because... You know, she battled some injuries last year. She wasn't quite herself. She didn't play in every game. And when she did play, it seemed like something was holding her back just a little bit. But this year has been a different story for Mavanga. She's so good on the glass. She's just such a dominant presence down low that you don't really see players of that breed uh, who just put up the kind of numbers that she does night in, night out. And she's just it's fun to watch someone like that go out there and dominate the way that she does on the board. So... I think she might be working her way into that conversation as well. Um, and I guess you can also put Hallie Thome there, too, as another great big. So kind of her, Gustafson, and uh, Mabunga, those three bigs, I think. Give one of them that third spot. Tyra Buss at all. Uh, she's currently third in the Big Ten in scoring, twenty-two, just over 22 points a game, 13th in the nation yeah. in scoring. She's kind of that leader, that veteran presence on that Indiana squad, right? The big question for me with Tyra Buss is the efficiency because <laughs> that's something she struggled with at times in yeah. her first three years of her college career. But, I mean, it's off to a better start very clearly this year, but now it's just a question of is that sustainable for Tyra Buss? And, I mean, maybe, there, maybe it is. Some people figure it out by the time they roll around for their senior year, but... For now, I'm going to be a little bit wary of the small sample size when it comes to Tyra Buss and say that she's going to have to prove that for a little bit more, especially once she gets into conference play 
before I start buying in completely on the Tyra Bus hype train. 8 of 31 from the field from 3, 25%. It's not great, Tyra. Not great, Tyra, but... Put them up, though. Keep keep pulling them. Keep putting them up. The Big 10 has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 players in the top 50 in scoring there. Uh, rounding it out, Gustafson at 27 uh, with just over 21 points. Keisha, or Kenesha Bell for uh, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. She's she's a pretty solid player as well. 19 points. And then uh, Kalia Charles, Maryland, uh, at just over 19 points. So some strong guard play there for the Big Ten. Uh, not, you know, some great performances so far in non-conference. And, uh, yeah, maybe not maybe some of the teams, maybe not quite how we would have, you know, as good as we as good as good we would have expected, but certainly some talent in that conference. And uh, Northwestern will be seeing all of those players, and it will be... Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's gonna be a big test for the defense. <laughs> big test for that defense. They look great so far. They have the, they have looked great so far, and again, like we've been saying the whole time, it's a young team trying to learn how to play together, and they're gonna have some ups and downs. You're gonna have some games like that Chattanooga game, but I mean, the potential is so clearly there that they have young players who are producing right up there in the conversations with all these other players. So, I think yeah, I think at this point you gotta be pretty encouraged with Northwestern. You gotta understand where they are as a program and. I feel really excited about what's going to come in the future for Northwestern. Yeah, and two, a big test tomorrow against Syracuse, and then another one against Milwaukee. So a fun game last year, and we should, you know, we could expect a fun game again on uh, uh, this weekend. So any final thoughts, Matt? Uh, I'm going to just be zeroed in on this game tomorrow for Northwestern because I think this is their biggest chance for a statement win in non-conference play, and if they can come out with it. Man, that's going to feel great for this team, just for their confidence going forward, knowing that they can go in and win on the road against a ranked team. That's not something a lot of teams can say. So if they can pull that off tomorrow, it's going to be a great moment for this program. Definitely a big test for the Cats, and uh, we, uh, we will be watching. Excited we'll be back next week with a full recap of that game, of the Milwaukee game, previewing some of their games as we head uh, closer to the holidays. And, uh, yeah, so thank you for joining us, and, uh, you know, have a great week, everybody. Go Cats. Okay.